But uh, we're so thankful that uh, God is faithful and that God answers our prayers and that he does put us our feet where they're supposed to be underneath us. And sometimes we fall over. Sometimes we get knocked down. Sometimes, um, you know, it's just like we're trying to climb a mountain. And, it, and it's hard in those moments to see God. It's hard in those moments to find peace. It's hard in those moments to find joy. But it's usually in those seasons where, where God tends to speak to us the most if we're willing to listen. If we're willing to, to just put our faith out there just a little bit, it's usually in those seasons where we, we get the closest to God because we need him the most. And maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't been there, but this morning I just truly believe if you're there today that you have to know that you're not alone, that God is with you and he's just waiting for you to reach out to him today. And as uh, I just say, share that with you today, I want to just jump into our message um, today um, last week I said we're going to do a two, sort of a two, part one and part two. Today is part two of that, but if you missed last week, it's okay. You don't need part one to get to part two. Although I would say, if you are wondering what the next step in your life is and how to take that next step, I would suggest that you go listen to that message on our, our website later on this week and, uh, and learn how to go from one step to the next. Because I believe that God is always moving us on a journey. He's always bringing us somewhere. And by the way, it's not supposed to be boring. If you find that your life or church is boring, maybe it's because sometimes I talk like this and I talk fast and it's just kind of lame to listen to me. That's fine. But church is not supposed to be boring. Uh, following Jesus is never meant to be born. I mean, born, boring. You can imagine the early church especially uh, they got to go through some pretty crazy things and experiences, and it was not boring. Uh, you look at church history, and we have some pretty dark things in the past of the church, but also some really exciting things. And trust me, church is never supposed to be boring. If it's boring, we're doing it wrong. All right. If we're following Jesus and we're bored, we're doing it wrong. And that's not a problem that God has. That's a problem that we have. It means that somewhere along the way, we haven't listened to what God wants us to do. And there's seasons, maybe it's, it is kind of just mundane and, 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 and sort of restful. Just I would just say enjoy the rest in those seasons because it means something big is coming along the way. So we're going to talk about what that is, and, and, and we're going to jump into dreaming today. What's next? What's next on my journey with Jesus? Last week we said, I know how to take from one step to the next, but what's next? How do I learn to dream again? Or how do I learn to dream at all? The spiritual journey is know God, have a deep and intimate personal relationship with him. But I believe that we can personally know God, and when we know God... We can live in real freedom. We can deal with our hangups. We can deal with our issues. Our past becomes our past. Our pain gets put in the past with that. Our problems get taken away. And, and every time we face a new problem, we have the faith to trust that God will see us through it again and again and again because of that personal relationship that we can have with Jesus. You know, the beautiful thing is that when we come to God, is he just, you know, I, my glasses often get dirty between my own use and my kids grabbing at me and Leland grabbing them and throwing them across the room with his peanut butter hands. My glasses get quite dirty. And what do I do? I put them on. I need them. I, I actually cannot see very well without them at all. In fact, you guys look worse when I take them off. So <laughs> I put them on. You look pretty good. But what do I do? I take, I take the cloth. My wife got me this special cloth to use. It's like chemical free and it's all these 
fancy things. I said, I just need to clean my glasses. Usually I use my shirt. She said, don't do that. Here's a fancy cloth. And it sits beside my bed when I need it at work. It's there and whatever. But what do I do when it's dirty? I just wipe it clean. Uh, and then I can see. And, and it's the same thing when we come to God. It doesn't matter how we are when we come to him because he wipes the slate clean for us. Because he wants to know us. He wants to see us and he wants us to see him clearly. He wipes the slate clean. So you know what? Sometimes we're on this journey and sometimes we kind of get hung up on something. We sort of trip and we fall. Again, I'll use my son. He's the best example I've got right now. He trips and he falls all the time. And what does he do? He gets back up and he goes for it again. And sometimes we can't get up on our own. So what do I do when he's stuck, when he's, you know, climbing up the chair and he say, don't do that. You're going to get stuck. You're going to fall over. He climbs up. He gets his foot stuck in the chair and he lays there on the ground, whining and yelling and crying at me. What does dad do? And daddy goes and he gets him untangled. He picks him up. Jesus does the same thing for us. You know, sometimes we get into situations we can't get out on our own. We say, where's my future? What, what's, what's next? What am I going to do with this now? And our heavenly father comes and says, let me... Let me pick you up. Let me clean you up a little bit. Let me just wipe that away. Let's just start again. Because we can do that. I believe in another chance. Let's just start again. And as you start again, as, as we take those moments, we get close to our Heavenly Father. And the closer we get to Him, we learn our purpose in life. We learn what does God want me to do. Last week I shared, you know, the most important day of your life was the day you were born. It is. We value every person's life. The day you were born, the second most important day is the day you find out why. I believe God's got a purpose for every man, woman, and child. And we just have to take a moment and put ourselves in a position to hear what that is. And this morning you're here, so hopefully it gives you some tools in your hands to figure out what that next step is for your own life. You know, one of the questions and what we talked about last week, and it's sort of the springboard to this week, is how can I make a difference? If you really want to feel like you're living, if you really want to feel alive, we, we have learned through science, we have learned through psychologists, you know, really smart people. They tell us people need to feel like their life matters and that they can make a difference in the world. They can make a difference for somebody else. And how do we make a difference for somebody else? We know exactly, we do exactly what God has called you and I to do. How do we do that? We get close to God. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 29, 18. Um, you could turn there, but I'm going to say it before you get there because it's really short. Verse in the Bible, Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Where there is no vision, the people... Anyone know the Lord? Where there's no vision, the people perish. Some of you would know that. Where there's no vision, people die. If you don't know what you're living for, is life really worth living at all? It's a good question to ask yourself. If you don't know why you're alive, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? The decisions you make, it doesn't really matter if you don't know where you want to go in life. It's like running a marathon. If a person stands at the starting line and they don't know where the finish line is, they're just going to be running around. Have you ever seen a chicken with its head cut off before? Where does it go? Everywhere. Everywhere. And if you go everywhere, you're not going somewhere, you're going nowhere. And sometimes in life, we just end up running around, we make ourselves busy to make ourselves feel important, and we have no idea where we're going, we have no idea why we're going there, and we just sort of end up running around in circles, because we have no destination, we have no plan, we have no vision. 
And Proverbs tells us where there's no vision, the people perish. The word vision in this verse is, I'm going to do my best to say this, I wrote it down, is uh, chosen. Uh, it, it's like, kind of like chosen, it's like chosen, but I, I can't say it pride anyway. But now you'll remember it. It basically means this, a vision, it, it, the definition in this word means a dream, a revelation, or vision, the way we read it in English. Where there's a lack of dreams, where there's a lack of revelation, people die. And it's not taking a phys- talking about a physical death. It's talking, it's not, it's, it's the kind of things that happen that bring us joy in our lives. It's like, if we don't have a vision for our marriage, okay, I know the day I met my wife, I knew there was something special about her, which is why I didn't want to look at her. You can talk to me about that story later. But then the day we got married, it was like that whole year had been like a transformation experience of getting to know each other. And then, you know, five years, eight years, nine years later, I go, I look at her and, and I love her more now than I did then because we've invested. There's a vision that we have for our marriage. We are two people becoming one. But if we don't have a vision for our marriage, if we don't work hard towards that goal, it begins to unravel and it dies. If there's no vision, all of our hopes begin to die. All of our aspirations begin to die. Even our emotions begin to play tricks on us and they begin to get all out of whack. And for a lot of people, they are living dead. If there was ever a time to reference the walking dead in church, this would be it. It's like walking around like a zombie with no purpose at all. And there's people all over our world today in our own community, maybe even in this room, we feel like we're just living dead. We're alive, but we're not really living. And maybe what's missing is a God-sized dream. Maybe all that's missing is just that one key component, something deep on the inside that God has chosen you for, for a specific purpose. And we're going to see how we can get you there today. Does that sound okay with you? If not, the coffee's on, you can wait out there. But we want to believe that God has something special for you, even in this moment this morning, even in this service. You can say the verse like this, same verse, different translation, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. They get a case of, who cares? It doesn't matter. I mean, that's my, my number one line these days, especially with the kids. They're, they're complaining that you know, the piece of Lego fell off their tower. Who cares? It's not important. Just put it back on. But, you know, it's the world to them. I should be more nice to my kids. But we live this life of living dead. We, we just sort of get this mentality, this, who cares? No big deal. Like, who, it doesn't matter. And unfortunately, too many people, that becomes their life's mantra. And it personally, if I'm not careful, I mean, I'm quite content to put the car on cruise control and sit back and relax. Like, I mean, I like driving, but there are moments where a self-driving car does sound appealing to me, at least when it comes to the way of life. Just like, just put the life on cruise and just take me wherever you want to take me. That's really not the best way to live your life, but that's the way I feel sometimes in my weakness and in my flesh. That's what I want. You know, I just, you know what, honey, you decide what we wanted to do for the rest of our lives. I'll just follow you. You just, you know, whatever. No, that's not the way God has called us to live our lives. There's too many people that becomes their mantra. You were created for significance. You were created for significance, not survival. 
I was created for something special, not just to get by, not just to survive, but I was created with a purpose for something significant. Say, I was created for significance. You know, you started out enthusiastically and it kind of waned. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. That's right. Adeline's that old. In the beginning, she was born. <laughs> and Jim thought he was gonna, I was going to be in trouble with my wife. Anyways. But we were created for significance, not for survival. If people, this is another translation, same verse. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are the most blessed. And, that, and the way that this translation captures it, they, they, they tend to capture the essence of what it is saying. The best. The word blessed in Hebrew simply means happy in your soul. You know, it's one thing to watch a comedy show and, and it makes you smile, it makes you laugh. But that's not really joy. Now, sometimes we have to have a good laugh. We have to be able to sometimes even laugh at ourselves. I do that quite often. But the word blessed isn't about getting more stuff, isn't about this or that. It's about being happy in your soul, to the core of who you are, experiencing joy. There's a contentment that's found when, in your life when you believe that things actually matter. So a simple goal today is to get us dreaming again. Because when I'm dreaming, I have vision and I feel better and I'm more healthy. Because the word dream and the word health, believe it or not, in the Hebrew language are so closely connected that some translators don't know which word to put in the verse. Whether they should use the word dream or whether they should use the word health. Because there's such a tight connection between Knowing what I want to do, what God wants me to do, that brings me feeling, it brings me joy, it brings me happiness, it brings me blessing, that's tied to my health. Dreams and health are synonymous. I want to think about that for a moment, and I believe that you can get healthy again in your marriage, in your soul, in your relationships with friends, with family, whatever situation, fill in the blank, you can get healthy in those things if you begin to receive a God-sized vision or dream for those areas in your life and for your life in general. You know, there's an expression that we use, sometimes I got to take care of me first. I agree that you have to take care of yourself as you take care of others. And, and if we're ever in a situation, I'll probably even say those words to you. Make sure to take time with yourself. Make sure you take time with God yourself. But here's what it really comes down to. Know your boundaries because you have to know what God has called you to do and the person that God has called you to be if you're really going to be effective in helping somebody else. If you really want to make a difference, if you want to feel like your life matters, then you have to know what God wants you to do first. Because how are you going to help someone else find their way if you have no idea where you're going? It's like asking someone who's lost for directions. Anyone ever do that before? Or maybe that, and you know what's even worse than that? Asking someone who doesn't know they're lost for directions. It's funny when you think of it that way, but we do it all the time. We ask people for advice. They have no idea. We just Google whatever we need. If we want to find an answer, we use Google. 
And there's some valuable resources in there, but we have to know what the good sources are to go to to find direction. And by the way, I'm not talking about the mundane things of life because things are going to happen in life. Good things, bad things, horrible things, wonderful things, joyful things. But the thing about establishing a God-sized dream and vision for your life means this. It means that your circumstances do not dictate or determine your happiness. The circumstances don't determine your dreams and visions and your revelations. You know, we watch them in the movies all the time. Some poor guy working down at the docks, you know, hoping to get hired that day and, you know, and he makes it in the world. He starts working hard and, and, and you know, we see it all the time and it turns in this beautiful story or, you know, sometimes some filmmakers just put a twist in there and he dies at the end. They always die. No one ever lives forever in those things anyway. It's amazing. But circumstances don't determine our happiness. You know, if I just work a little bit harder, I'm not saying don't work hard, please do that. But circumstances aren't going to determine your happiness. You know, if I could just work so hard, make so much money, then I can finally relax and be happy. No, circumstances do not dictate. When we have a vision from God and we know that we are on the right track to fulfilling the steps that he's called us to, we find the desires, the blessings, the peace that we're looking for. You know, Psalm 126, 1 to 2 says this. I have it written down on my paper, but you know me, I like to read it right from the Bible itself. Not that these pages are any more holy than these ones, but then you know I'm not making this stuff up, okay? Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations... The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. We were like those who dreamed again. Let's put it up here. The Lord restored. So what does that mean? Obviously, Israel had gone through a pretty tough time. People of God had gone through an incredible situation. And when you're in dire situations, when you are facing down death, those are the moments it gets hard to dream. Those are the moments we need our Heavenly Father to sort of pick us up off the ground and shake the dirt off and wipe us clean. But when he does, he restores the fortunes of Zion like those who were able to dream. And our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. You know, it's why when we come together Sunday mornings, I often encourage us to sing, even if you don't feel like it, because sometimes we just need the reminder to know that even though things are really tough right now, even if things are really good, I just need to know that my God, the God that we talk about, the God that we sing about, I need to know that he's real and he's worth it. And, you know, maybe I don't feel like it today, but I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose to celebrate. Because when I continually recognize the place and the supremacy and the awe and wonder of who God is, my life suddenly, one, doesn't seem as important, but then I actually realize my life is important to God. When I begin to sing and I begin to, to lift my hands and I begin to worship my mouths are filled with laughter, my tongues with songs of joy. What does it say? The, the nations begin to notice. People begin to notice when you choose to worship and serve God. And that's important. That's not our focus of the message today, but it is important. 
When we choose to honor God, when we choose to serve God, when we choose to be filled with joy and celebration, regardless of circumstance, people will take notice. People notice when we worship God. We want to get back to that place, a place where there's joy and laughter, a joy that lasts, one that's not temporary, not the I just watched a funny movie kind of joy or laughter, but a true deep sense of purpose. Does anyone here have a bucket list by chance? Bucket lists are, are interesting. Uh, I would say, and, and I would say there's a few things, I haven't officially written it down, but there are a few things on my bucket list that I would like to do in life. And I, I think it's important for us to have one to a point because it helps us point in the direction that we need to go in our lives. And so, you know, we can, we can start writing down things that are meaningful to us and the things that we want to do. I think there's even a movie, The Bucket List. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've just seen the advertising for it years ago because it's an older one now. Is it a good movie? Should I watch it? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. But a bucket list, a list of things that you want to do before you kick the bucket. All right. That's essentially, I guess, where it comes from. I would say put some God-sized, faith-sized things on your bucket list. Put some things on your list that can only happen through the hand and will and purpose of God. Essentially this, put things that are impossible unless God makes it happen. Because when we see God start to do the impossible things, you can't tell me you're not going to be filled with a little bit of joy and a little bit of purpose. Oh, that was cool, God. Oh, wow, you did that. No, that's, that's not going to be people. What? What? Did you just do that? And then his joy, his smile. You, you, look at someone, I, I, you look at someone who's been blind, who's never been able to see before. We're actually going to talk about that as a parable in a few minutes. But you look at someone that has never seen before, and someone prays for them, and for the first time they get to see, they're going to be like, oh, that's cool. Whoa. You're right there. <laughs> look at all the colors. <laughs> yeah. Just water. <laughs> Just water. No, what's the reaction going to be? Wow! My goodness. Look at all those colors. Look at, wow! You're better looking than I thought. There's going to be joy. Put some impossible God-sized things on your bucket list. If you want to see something cool in your life, Put something impossible on your list and then pursue God and waiting to see what happens. Give an idea. You know, there's, there's a, you know, I like, you guys know how much our family likes Disney. Yeah, 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 whatever. Um, so one of the things that I do because I don't want church and work to consume my life is I read other books. And so one of the books a few years ago I read was called Dream It, Do It by a person that worked for Disney. He started working at the Walt Disney Company one month before Disneyland California opened. And he got to be involved in every single Disney park around the world in some way, shape, or form, uh, which is, you know, quite a long period of time. And, and he used to quote Walt Disney all the time. He used to say, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. And I look at the accomplishments that they did with their deadlines, their tight budgets, all of these things, basically man-made miracles that they had to pull off in order to get ready for opening day. All of these, these stories that I read, and I, I always sit back and go, well, that's cool. Look what man was able to do. Think of the incredibly impossible cool things that God can do. 
And think of the incredible and possible things God could do through me. They far outseed and outweigh the expectations of Disney World and all things Disney. I mean, they do some incredible things with technology. They do some incredible things of, of, of trying hard to bring people joy in their life. And they, to a point, they're successful. People go to their parks, they watch their movies, they watch their shows. And for that limited time, they feel just a little bit of peace, a little bit of joy. They get to sort of forget about the world. But you know what's amazing? That's, you could totally sort of put all this aside. When I actually am walking in a God-sized dream, my joy never goes away. You know, as soon as I turn off the TV or the movie, it's like, oh, that was cool. Now it's over. You know, there's nothing worse than finishing a book or finishing it. You just binge watched a whole series or show on Netflix or something, and it's over, and you kind of go, oh, now what am I going to do? It's done. That's sad. I finished the book. It's over. Now what? What do you do? You read another book. There's no, there's no limitation on the joy that God brings. It's like again and again and again and again. The more you walk in the purpose he has for you, the continuing continuation of joy that you have. Even in the bad days, even in the bad moments, you go, you know what, this, this is really hard. You know, I just, I just lost somebody and it's, it's hard, but man, right? I'm still here and, and God's still using me for something. There's joy. There's joy knowing that God keeps us here for a purpose. We don't just live to die. We live to be alive. So let's look at five types of people this morning. Number one, there's people that have no dream. People that have no dream at all. Chances are, if there's no dream, there's probably no God inside of them at all. Maybe they have dreams and visions and plans and, and all these things, but nothing that really brings them eternal joy. People that have no dream probably don't have God or faith inside them. You may not have faith in God because, you know, Hebrews 11, which is an incredible chapter of faith of people throughout history of the world. People that had incredible faith to see God do impossible things. It says, when you have faith, it becomes the substance of things hoped for. When you have faith, it gives you hope. It's the essence of your hope. It brings an incredible amount of joy knowing that there's something great coming in the future. And it goes through these lists of heroes of faith. You just imagine, you know, you're standing there, you're, you're Noah. You're standing there and, and, and God says to you, hey, Noah, yeah, God, I'm going to send the rain. What's rain? It's never rained before. Water's never fallen from the sky and you're going to do what? Yeah, I'm going to send water and it's going to fall from the sky. And, and then it's going to come up out of the ground and there's everything that you see in front of you, all the land, all the trees, all the animals, all the people, they're going to be under the water. And he says, but I got a plan for you. I, I have something that I need you to do to survive this disaster that's coming. Because you will be the last family alive and I need you to fulfill my plan of salvation. So if you would start building a boat, Noah, if you would put a little bit of faith in me to believe the things that I've told you, if you could have a little bit of vision and you could start preparing now, then I got a great plan for you and your family and for all those who would turn to me. So Noah starts building a boat, never rained before, 
water's never come up out of the ground before. And he starts building the boat and people are laughing at him. They're making fun of him. He becomes the crazy old guy that everyone laughs at. And then the day the rain starts to come, people start to look at him a little bit differently. And he fulfills a God-sized dream because he paid attention to what God was saying. He paid attention and was faithful to the things that God had said. You know, in the early church, when God established his group of people, the first thing that happened in the outpoint of the church in, in Acts chapter 2 was the fulfillment of a prophecy that you're going to dream dreams, that you're going to have visions. That's what the church does. We are here to dream. We are here to have visions, especially for people who don't have any vision. We're here to dream for those who do not dream, who do not know God. This is what we do. When we connect with our living God, we dream again. And for some of us, we need to take that step. We need to make that commitment. And maybe we need to just make it again. And maybe this morning is a time we need to decide, I want to know God so that I can dream again. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says this, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. God is, it's like he's, not that he's begging us, but he desires us to get closer and closer to him. And not just in our prayer requests. You give him your problems, your needs, but take time to listen because he's speaking. Take time to open this book and read the stories of faith. Read the words that God has spoken through, through generations of people, generations of generations. Take time to listen to the words of God. You know, there's moments where I wake up in the night and I look for the Tums and I go, oh, that just kind of feels real bad. And the Tums don't work. And I go, well, that sucks because I really want to sleep. And then I, I just think, well, maybe I'll just get up and get a drink of water. And there's always one moment I, I always come back to. And it's happened a number of times, not, not all the time, but it's almost like I, I kind of look at it this way. You know, the song, the cat's in the cradle and it's about the father, son, and they never hang out together. And I sort of have that vision in my mind. You know, God's kind of going like, Gary, I'd kind of like to spend a little bit of time with you. So I'm waking you up because we need to hang out a little bit. And I remember one time I thought, oh, I shouldn't have ordered pizza for youth that night. It was just, I ate too much of it and it was just really bad and I was just feeling awful. And then, and then it hit me again and said, well, maybe this isn't that because everything you normally do isn't working. So why don't you just pause a minute and begin to pray? And for the rest of the night, I stood in my bathroom praying with God and talking with God. And that's how he got my attention. I was certainly tired, but God began to download dreams and visions and plans for my life. Because I took the time to spend with him. Number two, for some of us in this room, we're the type of people who have the wrong kind of dream whatever that would look like. I'm not talking about a bad dream, a sinful dream. It may be good, it's just not from God. You've allowed yourself to dream about something or, or, or something or someone that only has earthly pursuits in it, and there's nothing connected to God. Now, God does not mind you pursuing these things. He doesn't mind you pursuing good work, a better job. He doesn't mind you pursuing these kinds of life goals, but just want you to know this morning that God has something so much more for you. God has a lot more for you in your own life. And I want you to experience the joy of knowing that you're part of something that God is doing on earth in everyone. 
Paul says in Acts chapter 20, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. Only then will I know that I'm on the path that God wants me to. Nothing else matters. All of my personal ambitions, all of my personal dreams, maybe they're good things. Maybe, they're, maybe you go back to your bucket list, you put some really good ideas on there, but they're really not inspired by God. They're just really cool things that you can do. Maybe it's a cool career that you can have or a career change or, 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 or something to do with family. Again, nothing wrong with some of those things. But do you have some God-sized dreams on your list? Paul has literally said, I have found the greatest joy of my life doing what God has asked me to do. How do I get to get, to get a place where I can live a God-sized dream? Now, let's put ourselves in Paul's shoes for a moment. Paul lived his life. Uh, uh, he, was, he was a committed um, Jewish leader. He had authority. He had power. He had influence. And people looked up to him, all of these things. And then he had an incredible transformation experience. And he learned that the God that he thought he worshipped was not the God that, that who God really was. And God changed his life. And then he says in this verse, it only makes me happy when I'm doing the things that God wants me to do. Paul spent many years in prison. Paul was stoned. He nearly died. There was times where Paul was beaten there was times where he would go hungry. There was times where he had no place to sleep. And yet in the middle of that, he says, I have found joy. I wouldn't want to do anything else with my life because I know that I'm doing what God has called me to do. You know, we have to take the dreams that we have, the wrong dreams, take the entrepreneurial spirit that we have, the entrepreneurial drive that we have, and apply that to the same process and the same dreams that God, God is giving to us. And we want to leverage those for the eternal purposes. And just daily surrender to God and his purposes is one of the healthiest ways that we can live. Number three, maybe we have a stale dream. No one here likes stale popcorn or stale anything for that matter. No one likes when things get boring. You know, no one likes when church gets boring. You say, Pastor, you've talked too long. I'm bored. Get it, get it good. Do something weird with the stuff in your cup again. That was good. You know, we get bored. We go, we go through these things. Sometimes we end up with a stale dream. Maybe we got burned out at one point. We were fired up about it. We were all excited about it. Um, you know, through delays, through problems, um, all of these different things start just sort of dying out and drying up and and just start burning out. When you hit a spot of burnout, it's, it's hard to come back. If you, don't, if you don't approach things in the right manner, you can get tired, you can get weary. If you don't rest, especially rest is so important. We think, I got to work hard, which means I got to work nonstop. You got to take some time to rest. For yourself, for your relationship with God, for your relationship with your family, your relationship with your friends. Essentially, it means this. You can't forget the dream. If you forget why you're doing something, you've probably forgotten what you're supposed to be doing. The dream you had has gone stale. You know, sometimes we, we do this thing called fasting. We pray and we fast, and fast essentially means we're giving something up to put our attention during that time on the things that God wants. 
And sometimes our dreams go stale. We need to get refreshed. You know, it's just like if you're running a marathon. Let's go back to that. You're running the race. If you don't have one of these, this is water, by the way. If you don't have some of this along the way, you're going to what? Dry up. You need to get refreshed. And you need to stay connected to the source of life. You need to stay connected to Father God. And sometimes we just need to spend some time putting away the things that we thought were important, putting the things that we thought brought us rest, and actually spend some time with God. And sometimes we need to give something up. We need to fast, give something up so that we can focus on the things of God. It's not just about starving yourself from food. Fasting is not a punishment. Fasting is actually a joyful thing. It's It's a joyful choice to say, I really just want to hear from God. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to put myself in a position to hear from him. I'm going to give up the things that are distracting me from the goal and the dream that God has given me so I can hear from him again the dream he has for my life. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. When we take the moment of fast, it's like standing next to the campfire. And you know, when there's just a few embers left, the fire's about to go out, put some new fuel on that get a little cardboard box or a fan or something. You know what I do? I take my leaf blower. (laughs) I do. The kids think it's hilarious. You should see the flames I get with all that oxygen getting on that fire. It's amazing. But when we fast and we pray, it's like God's standing there with the leaf blower and he just, you know, the cheeks are back. It's like, okay, wow. (laughs) There's so much life left in this dream, but it's so easy to get caught up in the things that we're doing and we forget about the purpose of why we're doing it. Maybe it's been a long time since you've dreamed. Maybe it's through a set of circumstances they've begun to dictate your life. God still wants to do it again for you. He wants you to rebirth that dream in you again. Maybe some of us have, number four, a vague dream. This one's a quick point, and it simply says this, Habakkuk 2.2, one of my favorite verses. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run with it. It doesn't mean to take a stone and begin to carve, you know, some of the rock cuts we have on our highway. Don't go and start chiseling the vision God has for your life on there. But write it down, put it in front of you, put it as the back screensaver of your phone, whatever. What has God spoken to me about my life? I'm going to write it down because then I see it every morning. And it's going to be specific. God's given me a dream and he's going to give me the tools of how to do it. This is the steps we're going to take to do it. Write it down what I've revealed to you. Get in the habit of writing the things that God says to you down. My problem is, is that when God speaks to me, it's the middle of the night, I'm driving or I'm in the shower. And I can only write so much with soap before the water washes it away off the wall. So take shorter showers and spend more time with God. That's what I get out of that. Write it down because God has downloaded some incredible things to us and we can easily forget it if we don't write it down. You know, we write down what's important. We make lists or I make lists and when it's important, I write it down. So when God speaks to me, I better think that that's important and write it down. How many are ready for the final one? Number five. Everyone said amen. Last one. It's the best one. A God dream. The dream that we want is a God dream, a dream that is several things. First, it's God honoring. In other words, it's a dream that doesn't puff ourselves up, make us look good. It's a dream that makes God look good, that brings him glory. 
It's not a look what I did. It's a look what God did. And God did that through me. It's also a dream that goes against culture. It's a culture-defying dream. Uh, when Jesus did things on this earth, he did things that were countercultural. He did things that people would raise an eyebrow to. Uh, as a Jewish male figure leader, he would talk to a woman. That was incredibly cultural-defying in that time. He would touch a leper. Not a leopard like a jungle cat. A leper, someone that has leprosy. What happens if you touch someone with leprosy? You're going to get the disease yourself. And he would go and he would spend time with lepers. It was cult culture-defying dream. And our dreams that God give us sometimes, not always, but a lot of the times, they're going to go against what culture tells us is normal. Uh, number three, this one's important, it's going to be a heaven-impacting dream, an eternity-impacting dream. It means we're going to plunder, whether you could say like a pirate, like a plunder. Essentially, we're, we're saving people from eternity of damnation and hell. When we follow the plans that God has for us, we bring hope not only to ourselves, we bring hope to the people around us so that they can know Jesus, that they can have dreams, that they can live forever in eternity with God in heaven. And, 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 and lastly, more often than not, more often than not, it's going to be a dream that seems impossible. It's going to seem impossible. Who would want to do something that you can do on your own anyway? Why not see God do an incredible miracle? Why not see God do something that only God can do? That's what a God-sized dream looks like. One that is honoring to God, one that goes against culture, not for the sake of going against culture, but for the sake of the fact it goes for the things of God. A dream that reaches people and brings them into heaven, into relationship with God, and a dream that seems impossible. You know, here's a story that you can read. I'll read you the reference. In Mark 8, 22 to 25, here's the, the quick version. A friend brings his, his blind friend to Jesus. A man brings his blind friend to Jesus, and he says, you, Jesus, touch him and heal him. And Jesus says, oh, you've seen me heal before, have you? You've seen me do this kind of thing. That's why you brought him to me. He says, I'm not going to do that. Why don't you come with me? And he takes them out of town. And then he takes the, the mud and he places it on his eyes. And the man can kind of see. And he begins to speak and does all these things. I'm going to read it so I get the right things here. He says, they came to Bethsaida. He took the blind man by the hand, led him outside the village when he had spit on the man's eyes, there we go. Let's get the good version here. When it, Jesus, would you just touch him and heal his eyes, let him see again? Nope. Let's go. Can you see yet? No, there's spit in my eyes. I can see. I can see people that kind of look like trees. That's what he says. You can read that in Mark chapter 8. He says, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes and he saw everything clearly. You know, God's going to do things through us that we're not going to expect. Uh, we can't tell Jesus how he's going to do something. Jesus is going to tell us how he's going to do something. And we don't know what that is unless we take the time to know what he's saying to us. The man opened his eyes, and you know what's incredible with this story is that he said people look like trees. Well, he's blind. How does he know what trees look like? 
well, he must have had his sight at some point, maybe as a child, and he had lost his sight. You know, some of us in the room, were like that blind man. We used to see, we used to dream. Maybe we're like the blind man, we've never been able to see at all. And God opens our eyes and we see the impossible. We see what can be. We see what God can do. Jesus has the ability to heal. He has the ability to restore. He has the ability to do whatever needs to be done for his glory and for his sake. And we can choose to be a part of what God is doing, or we can just continue to try to do our own thing. That choice is only one that we can make ourselves. I can't make it for you. I can't tell you, come to church and it's going to happen. No, you need to take time to pursue the plans that God has for your life. And during this season of prayer, and we're going to do it again until we get a clear vision from God, not just for our personal lives, but for us as a church again. You know, we're planning this missions trip. It's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of time. People are going to take vacation. Kids are going to miss school because we're going to bring kids with us. They're going to join in on this. It's going to be some tough things that we're going to have to work through, but God's calling us to do it. We're going to do it. We need to continue to dream. Let's pray. Let's stand as we pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray to you because you are God. And I pray to you because you are good. I pray to you because you are holy. You're set apart. Lord, I pray to you for a fresh vision today. Lord, you brought us to this place, Lord, one way, and I expect, Lord, as we go from this place, Lord, we'll be able to think about these words that we've heard from your Bible, words that I've said today that you've inspired by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I believe even now, Lord, as we pray, as we sat here, people are, are, are thinking and dreaming about the possibilities of the things that you could do, Lord, in their lives, through their lives, and through our church. But God, we're believing for a fresh vision today. And I pray, oh God, that we get the vision that you intended us to have. I pray that you give us the energy. You just fan that flame, oh God, of creativity, of, uh, of eyes of faith. I pray, oh Lord, that we would not sit by and just let someone else step into the driver's seat and tell us where to go. But Lord, we would take the time to listen to you ourselves. And we begin to reflect on the things of God. Would you give us the craziest ideas? Would you give us the most practical ideas? Would you continue to give us the dreams that make sense for our community and for our nation and for our own lives, oh God? Lord, even if they don't seem to make sense, I pray that you would give us a confidence, that you would give us a faith to see the impossible. Let us know what you've intended us for so that we can make the difference that you want us to make. I thank you so much for every person in this room. Lord, you've called us here for a purpose. You've called us here for such a time as this, to hear these words, to sing these songs, to meet the people that are around us. Lord, we know that it's for a reason. Lord, it's not by accident. And so God, would you give us the passion? Would you give us the joy? Would you give us the blessing that we need? Oh God, to fulfill the plans that you've had for us, the plans that are good, the plans that, Lord, are honoring to you. Lord, and plans that bring people into relationship with you. I thank you so much for your awesomeness and for your power. Go now in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.